You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's style is very unique, where he shares the message of the gospel unlike anyone else. It's real, refreshing, focused, and fun. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's talk, you can always listen to, download, and even share this entire message with a friend right from our website, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Chasing Rabbits. Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 1. Okay, let's start with some assumptions. Let's say that you understand that before anything was created, there was a God, always has been, always will be, same yesterday, today, and forever, that he decided to make everything that there is, decided before the world was created that Jesus would come in, die on a cross, be buried and raised from the dead to make possible our rescue, our redemption, and that even before the world began, he knew every one of us would live. And if you're a Christian, somehow I do not understand all this, can't explain it, but that you literally got picked. And there is a reason why he has picked you, why he has saved you and put you on the planet and left you on the planet. And you have to discover what that is and get focused on what he has for your life, what he's trying to accomplish through your life. Now, even if you get to that point and say, okay, I'm in the game, I'm ready. There are going to be distractions. Some of the terms used are fiery darts. The enemy is real. People say, I don't believe in the devil. Then he's done his work partially because part of his work is to convince you that he doesn't exist. So brilliant people go, oh, there's no heaven, there's no hell, there's no God, there's no Satan. The Satan goes, great, they're in the perfect spot. They don't even think I exist. So then he tears your life apart and you don't even know what's happening to you. So you hone in maybe and you say, okay, I'm gonna chase after God. I'm gonna seek his kingdom first. I'm gonna do his will. You're gonna get your butt kicked. You're gonna get attacked. And in some cases, you're gonna get knocked down. There are casualties, but you get back up. You say, okay, Lord, help me refocus. Now today, I'm gonna talk to you about some of these distractions and how we get off chasing rabbits, rabbit trails, just going nowhere because we lose focus on what we're supposed to be about. So in Luke chapter eight, verse one, now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the 12 were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons and Joanna the wife of Chusa, Herod steward and Susanna and many others who provided for him from their substance. Now this is very interesting, well how was Jesus funded? A lot of it, these women. It wasn't just the 12, these women are traveling, seeing all this happen and they are providing for him from their substance. And when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then the disciples asked him saying, what does this parable mean? What are you talking about? And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And he's quoting Old Testament here that there's some people, you look them right in the eye and tell them story and they go, I don't get it. And you can't change that. Now the parable is this. 
The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation they fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those, when they have heard, go out and are choked, and look at this little list, with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. Then the next one he says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear, pay attention And it's kind of like saying, listen to how you listen. Pay attention to how you listen. For whoever has to him will be given, more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have will be taken from him. So it's kind of not an impossible thing because there are people in this room that I know and some of you are growing. Your life is changing. You're not just being more ethical, more moral, more anything. You actually are listening and when you hear something, you apply it to your life. Your life is changing, which is described here as bearing fruit. Something is, you're exploding with life. And usually when you bear fruit, somebody else, if you've got fruit on a tree, somebody can be fed. So now your life is supplying somebody else's life. And others of you say, well, no, dude, I'm just here to listen. And it's very interesting. And I didn't know that Chuzo was in the Bible. You know, you go off some stupid thing like that. And that's all you get. If your life is not changing, it's not working. If you're the same person today that you were a year ago, you're not growing. Now you say, but it's said to be patience. I'm with you. In a year, something can change. And you come to church and you visit some church, you go to some Bible study and sit there and stare at people and listen, and then you walk out and don't do anything with it. You go, well, you know, that didn't really help me any. It's never gonna help you, ever gonna help you until you do something with it, apply it to your life. And then it starts to change. You say, well, I don't want my life to change. I just wanna get my mom off my back so I can tell her I went to church. I mean, that may sound good to mama. It's not gonna work for your life. Go to Luke chapter 10, 10, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Sounds good so far. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word, okay? So if Jesus comes to your, if somehow he was to come to Dallas and somehow he would come to your house and you knew you had Jesus in your house, what would be your impulse? Oh, my house is a wreck. Or what does she do? Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. She knew what to do. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Look at this. I'm doing all this work by myself. You know, if you're who you say you are, you should reprimand her. I need some help in here. Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered, and by the way, this is like little kids. Mom, she's not helping me. You have to whine at the end for it to work. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. When he says your name twice, it's not so good, okay? Martha, Martha, 
you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now you say, well, there's my verse for a dirty house. Boom, I got it. <laughs> Why does the house look this way? I was with Jesus all day, you know. <laughs> That's only gonna work so long, but you know, you can try it. The word up here, but Martha was distracted with much serving. The word means, listen to this. The word means to drag all around. That is to distract or to cumber with care. So literally your distraction is dragging you all around. You don't even know what you're doing. It's running you. Oh, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. And you miss the most important stuff in life maybe. Being so busy, I am not saying there's certain things don't need to be taken care of, but you have to know when to stop Marthaing and start marrying, where you say, okay, I've got to stop. All this may not be able to take care of, but I know Jesus is here. I'm going to spend some time with him. That's what's going to change my life. Distraction, distraction, chasing something, doing something. Go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, and let's jump in here at verse 15. And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. That is not what life is about. There are the people that say, well, no, you don't understand. I'm accumulating all of this, and then one day I'm going to sell it and give it to missions. No, you're not. The odds of that are very slim because possessions end up owning you. You don't own them usually. And if you're planning to give it at the end, you're giving it along the way. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Now that's not a problem. So far we got no problem. And he thought within himself saying, what'll I do since I have no room to store my crops? Another good point. I got all these crops, my barns won't hold them. What do I do? I don't want all this stuff to rot. So far so good. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns, the ones I have, and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. We're still okay. He's doing the wise thing with his crop. And then it takes a turn. And I will say to my soul, soul, <laughs> you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease eat, drink, and be merry, and that's when you hear the toilet flushing, because he's gone. Speaks to his soul, his very life, saying, okay, we're set. Be careful being set. You say, well, what's wrong with being set? If you start trusting being set, you are in trouble. I don't have to work anymore, I'm good. I can take my, it's ease now. Eat, drink, and be merry. Some people never survive prosperity. Turns out to be the worst blessing they could ever have because prosperity just neutralizes them and eventually kills them because they don't have to keep moving. They don't have to keep trusting. They just say what he said. Now listen to what Jesus says. But God said to him, and by the way, didn't refer to him as soul. He referred to him as fool, fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. How do you get rich toward God? You make deposits on the other side. 
I have seen people become Christians that I do not even remember their names, but one day I will see them again and I'll go, wow, I forgot about you. You say, but I'm rich here and I'm set and you could be dead tonight. And then what's gonna happen to all that? And some of you say, well, I don't have to worry about that. We'll get to you in a minute. Keep reading. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn. So this guy's talking about all these barns. These ravens got nothing. They don't have any barns and they eat and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you have need of these things. But what? But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. If you chase the world, you chase possessions, you get distracted from your mission and go after all these things, you miss the very thing you were supposed to come down here and do. You say, but yeah, I ended up with all this stuff, and you might have missed the kingdom of God. And the thing you don't know, and I really don't know till I stand before God, that moment when you see Jesus, you're going to go, what was I thinking? That's why it is so important to read the word, study the word, do the word, focus on this, because you can get pulled in so many directions. Now you say, but I think I'm supposed to go to work every day. I get that. You say, and I think it's okay for me to make money. Absolutely. If you are making money, that's one thing. If the money's making you, you're in trouble. You are a steward. You are a pipeline through which it goes. And if God has blessed you, and I don't, you know, people say, well, should I go sell this? You need to sell everything he tells you to sell. And if all of a sudden you get like a pucker about something you own, then you might have a problem. Just some point in your life, do this. You're here right now. This is where you just start here. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, everything I have is yours. So I will allow you to go through all of my estate, all of my properties, all of my retirement, all of my everything. And anything you put a mark on, I'll do whatever you say to do with it. I don't want any of this stuff owning me. And if something I have can be transformed into something to change the world and make deposits on the other side, please, for Jesus' sake, for my sake, for everybody's sake, show me that. And if you have something that he goes to touch and you go, oh, Jesus, please don't touch that. That's mine. What's really happening there is that thing is saying, oh, Jesus, don't touch me because he's mine. I've got him, and this is part of my tether. So he says, stop worrying about all these things. Go down to verse 28. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind for all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your father knows that you have need of these things, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Sell what you have, give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Luke 14, Luke 14, verse 1. Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath that they watched him closely, okay? So I'm not gonna read you this whole chapter, but remember, that's where he is when this goes down. Now jump down to verse 12. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. So I hope I get invited to that party, but then if I get invited to that party, I'll have to invite them to my party because they invited me to their party. So he says, don't be playing these games. Swapping invitations. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So you want to have a party? Go find some poor neighborhood and pitch a party and invite people who can do nothing for you. Straight out of the Bible. Well, I don't know those people and they're maimed and they're yucky and whatever they are. Well, maybe that's who Jesus is after. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said, now let's get the context. He just heard about having this party for these rejects. So this guy pipes up and said, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. <laughs> what? What is that about? Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. He says, okay, well, I'll tell you a little more about this. So a certain rich man actually gave a great feast, but he did what I said don't do. Look at this. He invited many, and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who are invited. So nobody's there yet, and it's time to eat. And he said to those who are invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm going to test them. It's dinner time, but I got to go test my oxen. And it looks like it's a 10 cylinder rig. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's got some oxen. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Seems like a decent excuse. I might have to yield on that one. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, and the lame, and the blind, the people he had just referenced. So they do that. And the servant said, master, it is done as you have commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. So Jesus comes first to Israel. He comes first to the Jews. He invites, invites, invites. They reject him. He says, okay, then we're going after everybody else. Even past the blind, the lame, to reach even me. Even me. I'm no Jew. I'm just a Gentile, a reject out here somewhere in America. And Jesus somehow says, you're invited to my dinner. Ultimately, the wedding feast of the Lamb. So what's your excuse? Oh, I was going to be involved, but uh, whatever your deal is. Stop not making excuses, making things that can become excuses. Stop cranking up stuff that's going to be a problem when he says you're invited. 
I'm gonna schedule something so I'll be busy because I know you're gonna ask me to help. So, oh, I can't help because I'm busy. You're making an excuse before you give an excuse. We're just creating excuses so we don't have to do anything. Get in a position to serve. 2 Timothy chapter 2. A lot of people are familiar with 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, and we use this a lot around here. But if you keep reading, very fascinating what it says. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, Paul writing to a kid named Timothy and refers to him literally as his son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Be careful who you pour your life into. If they are not gonna ever teach anyone else, you might be wasting your time. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So if you sign up to be a soldier, you should focus on that. Last one, 2 Timothy chapter 4, written to the same kid. Verse 1. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires... So it's not what God wants, is that they will walk in with their own desires because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned again to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And by the way, underline that, fulfill your ministry, get after it. You say, well, I don't know what God made me to do. Then ask him. And if he doesn't tell you today, get back in the closet and ask him again and ask people who know you, godly men and women who are around you, what do you observe? What do you think God is doing in and wants to do through my life? And figure it out and get after it. Fulfill, as he puts it here, fulfill your ministry. For I am already, this is Paul writing, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay, so pretty huge statements he's given Timothy. I fought it, I finished, he's done. He's at the end, he's arrived at almost the finish line. He's there. And then look what he adds. Be diligent to come to me quickly. On a very personal note, he says, Timothy, come see me. Why? For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. Richard will be back in a moment to wrap up today's talk. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Let's be honest. Real life isn't about living some highlight reel for others to see. Most people have deep hurts, questions, and struggles. Well, we get it, and we want to help you in any way we can. So let's keep this conversation going. You can give us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. 
You can even put in your prayer request right there on the prayer wall. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or online at richardellistalks.com. And now let's get back to Richard with a final word on today's show. I've been on a few flights in my life. One was one of our anniversaries. We were going somewhere, Rebecca and myself, and I very politely went up to the ticket counter at the gate, and I said, we're on an anniversary trip. It's cool if you don't, but, you know, if you need somebody to be, you know, upgraded, we'd volunteer. We're willing to sacrifice ourselves. And every once in a while, a ticket agent will go, do his little thing, and boom, slide two first-class seats. And you go, wow, this is crazy. You feel taken care of. And you get up there and the seats are bigger. But you know what? No matter how sweet the seat, I don't want to live on an airplane. It is merely a way to get me from here to there. I want to go home. I don't want to live here indefinitely, even if I get to live first class. This is not my home. The Bible refers to us as citizens of another country. I was born in America, but I was born again, and that makes me a citizen of heaven. And that's ultimately where I belong. Be careful not to let the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, whatever it is you're chasing, anything but God. You say, but if I don't chase that, I won't have what I want. Let's figure out what God wants first, and then let's want that. And stop chasing rabbits that even if you caught them, you really wouldn't want to eat anyway, because there's better things His way. Thanks for listening today to Richard Ellis Talks. We're confident that the program blessed you, and we want to hear about it. One way is to give us a call and let us know. The number is 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is to drop us an email. Jump on over to our website, richardellistalks.com, and click on the Connect tab at the top. We'd love to hear from you. And while you're there at the website, there's a ton of great stuff there just for you. Things like all of the talk from Richard, a prayer wall where you can leave your prayer request, and a whole lot more. Check it out, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we love doing this program for you, but we're so grateful when you hop on board to help us with the cost. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD, or you can contribute through the website. It's easy and much appreciated. 855-6-RICHARD or richardellistalks.com. Until next time, God bless you, and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.